Well, first I'd like to give a shout out to my family. We were all here this weekend for my mother's memorial service. Uh, we went to the coast yesterday. So beautiful. Uh, that storm that brought all that lightning in, put some great waves on the beach. It was just beautiful. It was beautiful. So my family's out there somewhere. <laughs> Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You'll lose your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Matthew 5.13 from the message. I was working as a hospital chaplain, chaplain resident at Sacred Heart Hospital in Eugene. I was just finishing up an all-night shift when my pager went off, requesting a chaplain to the operating room waiting area. There I met the only lady in the waiting room whose husband was in surgery. It was only a few minutes before a nurse came out and told us that her husband had suffered a heart attack on the operating table, and they were doing everything in their power to save him, but it didn't look good. It was 6.30, Sunday morning, and this lady's only request was that she really, really wanted her pastor there. But she knew he was probably getting ready for a morning worship service, would most likely not even hear the message posted on the church's phone. Moments later, a doctor came in, said in spite of all their efforts, her husband had died. I held her hand and listened to the stories of their life together. The next thing I know, a little bearded man enters the waiting room, comes straight to us, took her in her, his arms, and they wept together. No words were spoken, no questions asked, no scriptures quoted, only two broken-hearted people sharing a significant loss. Her pastor had left his flock to come be with this lady. And for me, that moment, I got to see him do something that I couldn't do as a chaplain, share in those moments of tears. I became witness to the significance of one. This last June, I got to teach a basic chaplaincy course. I enjoy those classes. I got to share some very useful information. Uh, to this day, one of my favorite subjects in that course is the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence is just like the principle implies. You can do a world of good without saying a word. Sometimes people just simply need to know that there is somebody there, somebody who is approachable, who not necessarily knows all the right answers. You know, this principle is also true not only for chaplains, but for you as well, for anybody that finds themselves providing comfort to somebody in a difficult situation. I can't believe how many times we overlook the power of a presence. It was a late night. 
I was thinking about going to bed. I got a page from our dispatch center. The page read, Cornelius Fire Chaplain, please call Forest Grove Police Department. I got in contact with one of the officers, and she asked if I could come meet her at the station. She said there'd been a missing persons report in town, and they think maybe they had found him. At the police station, the story began to come together. Earlier that day, a gentleman had just finished his master's thesis. He packaged it up, he put it in the mail, and now it was celebration time. And for him, that meant a chance to go boating on the Columbia. Just him, the wind, the waves, his boat. Now it's the wee hours of the morning of the next day, and his family have not heard from him. The story was that some people on one of the islands out in the river witnessed this gentleman struggling to get back to his boat. They watched him sink under the waves. They tried to rescue him, but they could not get to him in time. I waited in the station. The positive identification came in. This indeed was the man who just completed one of his dreams. Now, it was my job to go with this officer to make that late-night knock on the door that would forever change lives. We arrived in a beautiful subdivision, multiple-story homes, finely manicured lawns, expensive cars in the driveway, and one lone light shone on the porch. This was the home that we were going to. After going over the officer with whose role was going to do what, we went to the door, we rang the doorbell. Through the sculptured glass in the door, I could see multiple people coming forward. In all the years that I've been doing death notifications, I know there's two things that I found to be true. One is, it's never a surprise when a police officer and a chaplain are knocking at your door in the middle of the night. And the other thing is that it never goes the way that we're taught that it's supposed to go. One of those things that we're taught is we're not to provide any information until we can get the person inside and sitting down. Well, as I came to the door, as I looked through that doorway, you could see that family coming The wife pushed her way through, closed the door behind her, stood on the porch, and said, I need to know what's going on. I couldn't derail her determination. She stated to me that her family and her only child, a middle school daughter, were going to hear whatever news that we had from her. I surrendered to her will. I told her that indeed her husband had died in the Columbia River. Instinctively, I put my arms around her both to allow her to cry on my shoulder and to keep her from falling down. After several moments, we went into the house. The entire family embraced in a hug. She shared the news of her husband's death. Within 30 minutes, the officer that was with me had given all the information that she could give, and she departed. I, on the other hand, sat on a small ottoman in the middle of the living room, across from a grieving teenager whose entire life will never be the same. 
Sometimes she was wrapped in her aunt's arms, most time cuddling up with her mom in her lap. I sat across from them, mostly in silence. I offered no eloquence of speech or displays of my talents and gifts, nothing more than being in attendance. Two hours later, I felt that they were in a place that I could leave them. And to my surprise, the young girl asked me if I was ever going to see them again. I explained to her that I was leaving them with my business card and that I would be available to them day or night, um, but as a fire chaplain, more than likely, we would never meet again. A week later, I received a phone call from the grandfather of the family. He, said, he stated that his granddaughter very much wanted me to be at her dad's memorial service. How could I say no? I've been asked to officiate at many services of community members in the past, but I've never asked to just be the guest. I found it strange. I, I, I told Laura, this is really weird. I told her that I didn't want to go. There, there was no reason for me to go, and, and that she couldn't make me go. <laughs> and then I found myself leaving the house and heading toward the memorial service. Her father was an executive at a premier aircraft service in Hillsboro at the airport. So the memorial was at a hangar. It was a very large building. The hangar's floor was clean enough to eat off of. There were tons of people milling about. I felt strangely out of place. I looked around the room, and I finally caught the eye of this young lady just as she saw me. And she ran to me. The pain of her loss streamed down her face as she uttered these unforgettable words to me. I wanted you to come today so I could tell you how thankful I was that you were there for my family. I can't tell you how much you meant to me. Come on. I want you to sit up front with us. At the end of the service, I excused myself from the gathering, I started to home, and I was satisfied that this young girl really did want to thank me for just being present and available. I had the opportunity to be salt seasoning in this story. Recently, we've been watching Top Chef. <laughs> and by we, I mean Laura. Honestly, I, I get sucked into the competition. I find myself rooting for one contestant or another. In the show, good chefs all over the country present creative dishes to a panel of professional judges. Several times I've heard this comment as I watched the show. Your dish would have moved from mediocre to marvelous if you would have just added a grain or two of salt. A grain or two of salt? And conversely, this last month they had the opportunity to volunteer at the World Fire and Police Games in Winnipeg, Canada. Every afternoon they would serve the volunteers a great lunch. Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. 
We had chicken tacos with all the fixes, and there was this amazing bowl of these beautiful chips, all different colors, greens and reds and yellows. I couldn't wait to try them. But they were so overly salted that they were terrible. <laughs> so much so that it wrecked the entire meal for me. Salt. Why would Jesus refer to his disciples as being salt of the earth? Today, I'd like to hit a few ways that salt can be used and how it can be implied, applied to our lives. Tell your neighbors, please pass the salt. Oh, you guys are so much better than the last group. I had to drag it out of them. Salt was highly valued. Its production was legally restricted in ancient times. And so historically, the use of salt as a, was used as a, as a method of trade and currency. Did you know the word salad, or the word salary, is devised from the word salt? Salt was so highly valued that it, that it was part of a currency. And also the word salad originates from salt. In the, in the beginning of those early Roman times, they would salt their leafy greens and vegetables. So undeniably, the history of salt is both broad-ranging and unique, leaving its indelible mark on cultures across the globe. In the days of Jesus, salt was even more precious. This is the reason Jesus told his disciples that they were salt of the earth. It wasn't because Jesus just talked about the first thing that came to his mind. Have you ever heard the saying, worth his salt? Roman soldiers were sometimes paid with salt, giving the rise to that phrase, worth his salt. Being that Roman soldiers were paid using salt, and they, unlike many soldiers, were paid regularly, so salary is a term that meant payment of service to an employer. So with that in mind, let's look at some ways that that we used back in those days, and how we can take a look at how we can be salt of the earth today. So first, its primary use was that of a preservative. Salt was very much prized within that Roman Empire, and it could be used to preserve food. And this was very important for the empire because it stretched halfway around the known world at the time. In addition to a preservative qualities of salt, it is viewed here to be shown... Its view here is to show the disciples that they're also called to be preservatives to a society and a world around them that's in moral decay. See, back in those days, they didn't have refrigerators like you and I do, so salt was used as a preservative. When meat is butchered, it soon begins to putrefy and rot because of the surface bacteria. But what salt does, it kills that bacteria and, and prevents that rapid putrefaction. So when Jesus refers to his disciples as being salt of the earth, he was probably thinking of the great opportunity that you and I have to be a blessing in a hurting world, to be a preservative in a world that is decaying and rotting, an opportunity for you and I to live a life that brings hope to a world that's decay and falling apart. As salt of the earth, 
you and I have the opportunity to be a living testimony of the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a world that's looking for answers. And you and I are able to bring that good news because we can say, if, if God can do this for me, he surely can do it for you. There is an answer to your situation. There are many places and opportunities that you and I can be salt of the earth to be useful as a preservative. We can be used to prevent decay in our jobs, in our schools, in our family gatherings, at our shopping malls, wherever, whatever atmosphere we find ourselves in. You and I can be a preservative to a hurting world wherever we go. The second use for salt is it adds flavor to whatever it comes in contact with. In a world we live in today, there are many people who feel like their lives are without purpose and they're living a life with no flavor. On the outside, everything looks like it's together, but on the inside, their life is flavorless. They're searching for hope. They're trying to find fulfillment to their life with happiness and excitement, but they just keep coming up short. This is where you and I, as salt of the earth, can come in. You and I can bring the excitement of Jesus Christ into a world that is living lives that are flavorless. Once again, where we can bring flavor, we can bring this flavor wherever we go. It could be at our jobs. Many people are stressed and purposeless and feeling like life is going nowhere. You and I can bring life. It can be in our homes. Maybe some of our families may not be saved, but we can bring the joy of the Lord to the house, and we can season it up. It can be in our neighborhoods. Maybe you have old friends in your neighborhood that don't know about Jesus. You and I can let them see the change and the flavor that's in our lives now that we're serving Jesus. As salt of the earth, wherever you go, wherever I go, we can bring this flavor let the world know that it is because of Jesus that you and I have flavors. Because of Jesus that came into our lives, we have flavor. Say to someone, flavor. <laughs> our life should be filled with the life of Christ, and we can bring flavor wherever we go. We can bring flavor to our family gatherings. We can bring flavor to our schools. We can bring flavor to our work site. We can bring flavor wherever we go. Tell your neighbor, here comes the flavor. <laughs> oh, you guys are getting so good. We can add flavor by being a good testimony at our jobs. We can bring flavor by being good testimony at our schools. We can add flavor by being a good testimony to our families. We can add flavor by setting an example to our friends, families, and the people that we come into contact with. On the other hand, how many times have you heard someone who calls himself a Christian, but they behave worse than the people they come in contact with? Fighting, gossiping, stealing, the list goes on and on. What we need today is some people who are going to be salt outside 
of Sunday morning. We need to be salt of the earth, not salt of the church. That's what salt does. It changes whatever it comes in contact with. That's how our life should be. We should make an impact on the lives of people that we see of what God is doing in our lives. What good would it be for you and I to live our lives, our Christianity, on Sunday mornings only when we're all together? What good is it? If the salt salt stays together, it just becomes a big clump of salt and not too effective. The thing about salt is that it's most effective and tasty when it's sprinkled in different places. Sprinkle a little here, sprinkle a little there, put some in Hillsborough, put some in Cornelius, put some on this job site, put some on that job site, put some in this family, put some in that family, put some in your schools, put some here, put some there. It's kind of like the Levites when they were dispensed in Israel, that wherever they lived, they added flavor to the earth. And that's how you and I are going to be most effective by bringing salt to the earth. Some dreams we have may never happen. And aspirations may fall by the wayside. Some stages of our life seem fruitless and barren. There'll be highs and there'll be lows. It's inevitable we're humans. Life is so uncertain. But this one thing I know, one person, one solitary life can salt a city, can salt a country, can salt a state, a nation, and literally change a world. Jesus did it, and he calls us to do it. The following is taken from a book of poems written in 1926. James A. Francis penned these words that are just as true today as they were then. Here is a man born in an obscure village, a child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never owned a home, he never set foot in a big city, he never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born, he had no credentials but himself. Still while a young man, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away, one of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth when he was dying, and that was his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed tomb to the pity of a friend. Nineteen wide centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race, the leader of progress, is far within the mark to say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever set, all the kings that ever reigned, 
put together have not affected the life of man upon earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. To the normal public eye, those of us who pass by the blaring sirens, the flashing lights, the yellow crime, te- crime scene tape, all tragedies are bad. Not in my world. In my realm of influence, the more intense the situation, the better opportunity to help, to love, and to serve. What is your realm of influence? You have an opportunity to touch, to love, and to serve people that I'll never meet this side of heaven. Co-workers, waitresses, school friends, all in need of someone like you. What are you waiting for? You can be salt in your city. You can make a difference one person at a time. Pray with me. Gracious God, we come before you today just mindful of the fact that you are great and mighty. You deserve all of our worship and praise. Lord, thank you for the opportunity of placing us in communities, within families where we learn to love and be loved. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.